Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. And we are here on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Kevin Walsh joining you back again. I know you just had three hours of me. Get another two. You're welcome. Downstairs is Sean Engeld. And I have the absolute pleasure to be joined by George Kurtz. George, how are we doing? I was trying to figure out people should be thanking the mm. two more hours of uh, Kevin Walsh, or <laughs> if this is just a cruel and unusual punishment. Actually, Kevin, this is the best part of my day, because immediately after this, I had, uh, I'm heading out to Queens to help my brother move. Mm. Where in Queens? Where in Queens we're headed? Uh, you know, uh, I know he, he lives in Bayside now. I, I know where he's moving to, the uh, the complex. I don't know if it's still in Bayside. I know it's close. So around Bayside, how about that? I know it's off the LIE. Mm-hmm. That's about the best I can do for you. <laughs> that's that's fair. Okay. I'm from I'm, I'm a Queens fellow myself, so shout out to the Q. Uh, so, George, we, we just kind of went through um, an AFC North preview uh, on fantasy sports today, and I, I want to do a little bit of carryover because uh, there are some, some, still some stones to uncover, and also to get your perspective uh, on some of the things that we were talking about um, on the show. I wanted to just ask you, just kind of as an overview, how you would view that AFC North because you know we kind of looked at it, Mike and I, and yes, there is a big gap between uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the rest of this division, but I still at least personally find myself very interested uh, in all four of these football teams. All right, I mean, well, you're right. Uh, Pittsburgh is the the class of the division. I'm not so sure it's even really all that close. I don't think anybody else truly believes that either outside of Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore. You look at Baltimore, we're all wondering about Lamar Jackson, right? We got to taste him at the Hall of Fame game. Eh, some good, some bad. Obviously, he's a rookie who's got some uh, things to iron out there. No shock there. Uh, Cincinnati, I don't know what I'm looking for in Cincinnati. Uh, do they, will they get the ball with Joe Mixon full-time this year? Andy Dalton, I still wonder if they should have uh, maybe given McCarron a shot there. And mm. You've seen, Dalton reminds me of what Kansas City thought about Alex Smith. You know, one of the reasons they, they moved on from Alex Smith because they thought he brought them as far as he could br- bring them. Mm-hmm. You know, first-round loss in the playoffs, it seems, every year. Dolan can't even get you that far. You know, maybe you need to try somebody else. Even if McCarron isn't the answer, just to go get something new there. Cleveland, I'm, I am curious about Cleveland. I'll fully admit it. I'm curious. I want to see what all the changes here. You know, it finally looks like a legitimate NFL team. When does Bacon Mayfield start? How does Tyrod Taylor play? Jarvis Landry looks great in camp. The Josh Gordon drama, which never seems to end here. Uh, you know, who's going to start at running backs? Chubb, Hyde, Duke Johnson. You know, they have uh, a lot of decent players here. For the, I think it's the first time we could say this in mm-hmm. uh, decades. <laughs> You're 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 not wrong, and, and uh, you know there, there's a lot, especially I mean fantasy wise. The Browns now, I mean it was a team that like you know you said you kind of just looked away every time, but now they're, they're, not only do they have guys, but but of course because it's the Browns, uh, they have a lot of guys with a lot of question marks. I, I kind of want to start with Pittsburgh though, just to to, to carry over again some of the conversation. Uh, and one of the things I mentioned with Ben Roethlisberger, because it's something that I think a lot of people are starting to maybe discuss with Eli Manning, and it's how is Eli Manning going to go so late, currently on Fantasy Pros, the 24th quarterback off the board, when there's a wide receiver of his going in the first round, the running back's going in the first round, everybody likes Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram's a top-five tight end. If all of these things are to be true, we're talking about the offensive line being better, then how are you getting Eli Manning where you're getting him. So could the same be said for Ben Roethlisberger with two skill position players being taken within the first six picks? Juju Smith-Schuster, everybody loves. They've got a great offensive line. We're hearing some good things uh, about Vance McDonald at the tight end position there. So uh, right now, Ben, the 12th quarterback off the board, does that feel right or does that feel like some value? 
Well, I could see this from both sides. And what I mean by that is, one, uh, as far as Eli Manning is concerned, are they going to run the ball a lot more this year? Mm. Try and protect the defense, try and protect Manning, try and protect everything as far as running the ball at Barkley so they're not going to throw the ball left and right. You know, I could see that being a part of it. But a, a second part of me, and I wrote this in a column you know, yesterday uh, for Roto Experts about uh, quarterback twos. You know, ignoring, ignoring all the quarterback ones, talking about quarterback twos, about how Eli Manning could end up being a low-end quarterback one at the end of the season for all the reasons you just mentioned. Mm. You've got Odell Beckham, Sterling Shefford, Evan Ingram. Not too many teams can boast a trio like that. You know, there are, obviously there are a few, but not all that many. You got Barkley. They keep the, the, the passing, you know, I guess the, the safety's honest. They can't play over the top. They can't take Beckham away unless they got Barkley running crazy. You add Will Hernandez and Nate Solder to the offensive line. That helps that area. I grant it. It's five. I know Eric Flowers has played last season, but it's five people starting at different positions this year for the Giants. Flowers moved to right tackle from left tackle. So that could take a while to mesh. But it's got to be better than last year. In my mind, for the Giants, as far as Eli Manning is, is concerned, now he's 37. If he can get out of the habit of seeing the rush, of feeling the rush, and throwing off his back foot and not stepping into throws, I think he could, I think he could be good this season. Mm-hmm. I do. You know, I criticized the, uh, the picking of Barkley, not because I thought he was a bad player, but because I think long-term this hurts the organization. But in the short term, they're a much better team with Barkley. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But yes, I would have taken a quarterback to look out for the next decade uh, for the squad. Just the way I would have approached things. So I think Eli Manning does have some upside. And I have Gradman in uh, one league, but not a, not a two-quarterback league yet, just in a league uh, as a backup. Now, as for Ben, I think it's a little different here. You know, we know they're still going to throw the ball. You know, Antonio Brown's going to throw the ball. Even Le'Veon Bell is a major pass catcher out of the backfield. That's just what they do. Could things change a little bit because different offensive coordinator? No more Todd Haley. You know, it could. But I also wonder, and let's get this just throwing stuff against the wall here. Maybe now they have a different offensive coordinator, he gets better on the road. Maybe Haley was playing more conservative on the road. Mm. You know, and that's one of the reasons why Ben has those bad splits. I understand it's probably not that. But, hey, you know, it's, it's fun to think about and throw it out there. So, uh... I think Eli is where he is. I think he's about 18, you know, mid-range uh, quarterback two. I think it's about right, but I think he does have upside. And Ben is a low-end quarterback one. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they are both right. I don't think Ben has immense upside, mainly because of the road split things. But uh, I think uh, it's interesting with Ben. I, would, I don't mind starting Ben. I don't. But it brings up the interesting question. You dra- in one quarterback league, you draft Ben Roethlisberger. Do you automatically now want to draft another quarterback to think about starting in, the, in several road starts. Not every road start, but maybe when he's in Baltimore. Tough uh, road venues, which the splits already tell you he's not going to be very good, and now you're playing a tough defense. Yeah, it makes you wonder that, and I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I'd want to do that. I don't know if I want to waste the roster spot on that, and I don't know if I'd have the guts to pull the trigger and start a lesser quarterback over Roethlisberger and risk this being the week. Oh, this is the one good road start he has. He threw three touchdowns and 378 yards. And I think with Big Ben... The thing is, if you do draft him at 12, you probably have to draft another quarterback, even just because I don't know how, much, how great you feel about Big Ben playing 16. He played 15 last year. He was, I think they, uh, they sat him for that week 16 game. So he played a full season last year. Uh, he missed, I think, with six total games the two years before that. And because of those home road splits, you probably do have to pair him with someone. And I think that what you said there is... It's going to be a headache to where maybe you're just better off going with whoever you were going to pair him with and just have that be your quarterback. If, if you're going to be able to draft a guy that you're willing to start over Big Ben, even if a matchup looks nice, then maybe you're just better off dodging Big Ben as a whole. There are other ways to get shares of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense that aren't Ben Roethlisberger. And I will say, though, on your Todd Haley point, I think it's a very good one. Big Ben was, was talking retirement midseason. Now, part of that was because the Jaguars' defense almost put him into it uh, just with that five-interception performance that he put forth. But he also did not seem to get along with Todd Haley. And when Todd Haley was let go, Big Ben all of a sudden seemed to be talking about playing a number of extra seasons in Pittsburgh. And as dramatic as that would be, that's also very Big Ben. And I think that maybe he could find himself a tad bit rejuvenated with Todd Haley's exit. So while I do think maybe he could give you a little bit more upside, I think there's also a downside. I do think that that 12th spot is very, very comfortable. We also talked about uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. The problem with 
talking about them is there's just not much to say, really, George. They are arguably uh, the two best players at their position. In every single draft, pretty much, you see them go as one of the first two guys at their respective position uh, in drafts. Both are picked within the top eight pretty much everywhere. So, you know, in terms of Lev Bell, in terms of Antonio Brown, I mean, is there anything more to say than if you have one of them, congratulations? Yeah, that's pretty true, right? I think, uh, listen, Le'Veon Bell, he's, he's either going first or second. And if you want to take him second because of the holdout and the chance for a soft tissue injury, hamstring, groin, uh, that sort of thing, calf, uh, I'm okay with that. I'm, that's, if that's a good enough reason for you to uh, put Bell second, girly one, I'm good. You know, personally, I, I'd, I have girly one, too, for that reason. If not, if uh, Bell was in camp, I'd have Bell number one. But you're right. Congratulations, you got one. You're in good shape. Brown is actually more interesting to me. Not, there's, not because of Brown. Not because of Brown at all. Now, you know, when I start, first started playing fantasy football, this late 80s, uh, up until probably maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15, it was always draft running backs early. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just drafting running backs early. That's the way it was. You know, now, you know, in the past 10, 15 years, all the rules have changed for the passing game, right? To make the, we want points on the board. You know, we want a high-scoring game, sports centers, highlights, da-da-da-da-da. That's what we want. And that seemed to be going true for fantasy, right? We, uh, we, uh, Antonio Brown was going one, running back was slipping a little bit. Now it's sort of changing again. You know, in almost every draft, who, who are your top four picks? It's Gurley, Bell, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson. And then it's not like Antonio Brown, you know, you're automatic lock at five anymore. And as, I'll say this again, it's not, it has nothing to do with Brown. He's great, going to put up fantastic numbers. But 12-team league. You take Brown at five, that means you don't go again until what nineteen. You know you got to wait fourteen picks. What's your first running back going to look like? It's going to be one of those guys that we, you and I have discussed. Corey and I have discussed with everybody that has warts, has problems. You know maybe a Devonta Freeman type concussion problems. You know Christian McCaffrey doesn't run enough touchdowns. Those kind of guys. McKinnon, oh yeah, maybe he does great things in uh, in San Fran, but we don't know that. You know so that's the problem there. Receiver is deeper. At 19, you can get a decent receiver. You might end up with Devontae Adams. I would gladly take Saquon Barkley at 5 mm-hmm. and Devontae Adams at 19. Boy, if you take Brown, yes, you get Antonio Brown. Great. But now you get Devonta Freeman, which also means you have to take Tevin Coleman five rounds later and make sure you have at least one starting running back in Atlanta when Freeman gets that concussion. You know, and I could, we can go on and on for each running back. If you draft McKinnon, you know, Brown and McKinnon, okay, it could work out, but it's a gamble. Yeah. Where Adams and Barkley... Doesn't sound like much of a gamble, right? It, it sounds like a pretty good team there. And you, you actually go one further. Kamara at six, you know, and that may not be a bad get either. You got the same problem over and over again. If you if you take Brown, you pass in that running back, I mean, you're, you're probably not going to like your running back stable. And I've done mocks to, to prove this to myself. Well, what does my running back stable look like if I do this? It looks like uh, great wide receivers and a whole bunch of question marks at running back. What, what's funny about that is it's almost a catch-22, in a way, because now it's a, if I'm drafting at five, I'm drafting at six. Uh, what you just said right there, I end up with Antonio Brown and Jarek McKinnon. I've got AB, that's great. But McKinnon is a big-time question mark. But now if I let him fall past me, and so does the guy behind me, another guy drafted ninth comes away with Antonio Brown, and he pairs him with Leonard Fournette. Well, well, well that's now quite the duo. That, that you have there. And sure, listen, you still have your Saquon Barkley plus Devontae Adams combination, which you can feel great about. But, it, but uh, you know, even if somehow the, this guy comes away with A.B. and Kareem Hunt, you're, you, you are in a situation, that I, I do think, where Antonio, it's tough to gauge. Let me ask you this quickly, because it's something I've seen a little bit. Because it's not just Antonio who is falling. Because the running backs are valued, as you've mentioned, sometimes Julio Jones is there. On that, in the front of that second round. Sometimes Odell is even there at the front of that second round. If you were fortunate enough to see Antonio Brown fall to you at 10, and then Julio Jones is there at what would, I guess, be the 14th pick, and the first 10 running backs have gone, and you have to choose between Julio, McCaffrey, Freeman, McKinnon, do you double up on wide receiver? Or do you say, I need to go running back wide receiver within these first two picks? It's a great question. You know, it's why uh, every draft I go in, I never go into a draft with a plan really after the first round. 
you know, if I have the ninth pick, I have my first nine guys laid out. And I know that's the order I'm going to, going to go in. After that, every draft's different. You don't know how it's going to play out. You, you said it perfectly. And the flex draft, what your, your point was proven yesterday. The flex draft was uh, Jake Seeley's draft in mm-hmm. uh, D.C. He was on Sirius XM. Uh, they were covering it. At 11, I believe Julio Jones went. 13, Odell Beckham went. Mm. He was available at 13. Run, wide receivers are falling. Now, you mentioned another uh, scenario here uh, where, you know, if you pass on Antonio Brown, you're letting the guy who goes ninth possibly get Antonio Brown at nine and Fournette, which is, could very well happen. Before, uh, it could. Yeah. And that's great. And you're right. But I don't care. I don't know if I want to play defense and worrying about what someone else might do mm. in the early rounds. Yeah, I want to pick the best players for my team. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting conundrum. It truly is because Antonio Brown is slipping through no fault of his own. He's a great player, <laughs> but running backs are so valuable. It really comes down to what do you want? You know, are, are you willing to go? Because you're right. You take Antonio Brown. What if the next best player on the board when you go again is another uh, wide receiver? And it very well could be at that point. Mm-hmm. Because the running backs are flying off the board. Are you willing to almost, you know, <laughs> through necessity or through the way the draft played out, go zero running back? Because yeah. if you don't take a running back in the first two rounds, you're, you're, you're not going to have any. You're going to have, you know, I've question marks with second round running backs. Third and fourth round running backs are going to have, I don't know what we're going to call them. So uh, it's going to be extremely, it's, it's an interesting strategy. Listen, it's good for the game because it means there's more players that are first round viable. First round ability, that's good for fantasy sports. We come back, there's some more fantasy relevant Pittsburgh Steelers to discuss. Juju Smith-Schuster, where would you take him? We'll find out next here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back here on Fantasy Football Frenzy. And I want to let you know that you can get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. It's a full season package that takes you from draft day to championship week. And it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite fantasy sports radio experts, including George Kurtz. So go to rotoexperts.com, use code WINNER, W-I-N-N-E-R, to get 10% off the exclusive edge package and set aside a spot on the mantle for that 2018 championship trophy. So, George, I, I want to ask you about Juju Smith-Schuster here. Uh, he is, to me, one of the more interesting guys when you look in that uh, wide receiver two range. Uh, he's currently the 21st wide receiver off the board. He goes right behind Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate. He is right in front of Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, and Alshon Jeffrey. Now, Juju last year had seven touchdowns, 917 yards, uh, saw 58 catches on his 80 targets. Last year, the only players in all of football that caught more passes, that averaged more yards per catch, were Marvin Jones, Brandon Cooks, and Julio Jones. And I think that that type of efficiency from Juju Smith-Schuster could peel back. And even the seven touchdowns on 58 catches could peel back. Luckily enough, though, last year his 80 targets were fourth on this team. Martavis Bryant had 84. Martavis, more targets last year than Juju Smith-Schuster. So I think the volume for JSS is going to go up Big time. I can't argue with that. I mean, I like Juju. I think he's a, a very good complimentary receiver. I think teams have no choice but to worry about Brown and Bell. And he sort of, you know, Juju falls by the wayside. Can't, can't cover everybody. 
You can't double cover Brown and Juju. You just can't. Or else Le'Veon Bell eats you alive up the middle, running the ball. So it's, uh, you know, this is why the Steelers' offense is so good. They force you to play it straight, sort of pick your poison here. And, you know, Juju's not really an afterthought. He's not even thought about the poison. Uh, I don't have any shares of Juju right now, and I've drafted in uh, four or five live leagues, and I'm uh, disappointed so far. Just haven't been able to nab him. Uh, I think you're right. I think overall, he'll get more targets. I don't think there's any doubt about Terrence Bryant's not there. I'm not all that worried about James Washington stealing uh, uh, targets. I think Juju's going to have a nice season. I, I do. I think he's a, a very strong wide receiver, too. I'm hoping to grab him. I'm not worried about people saying, well, you know, hey, Bell's got to get all uh, his touches. Brown's going to get his immense. And Brown's going to get 150 targets. We know that. That's yeah. what he does. But there's still plenty left over for, sure. for Juju. You mentioned it. Juju at 80, uh, Martez Bryant at 80 last year, not even there. We didn't even play half the year. They have, there's enough balls to go around for those three. If there was a fourth we were talking about, which is why Washington I'm not so uh, keen on, yeah, I'm, I'd be a little bit more worried. But for these three, there's enough. I mm-hmm. want some shares of Juju. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the targets, he's definitely, I think he's definitely going to see 100 targets. And I think it could even be more. I think he could get out target a Le'Veon Bell. When I saw that, Martavis Bryant saw 84 targets last year. That really was jarring to me. Uh, and I think that Juju will make the most out of them, even if that 15.8 yards per catch goes down to, say, even 14 and a half. Uh, you're, you're, you really could be looking at um, something in, in the neighborhood, maybe 80 catches, 1,000-plus receiving yards and eight touchdowns. I think that Juju uh, can give some, some serious value. I uh, Just do you feel, uh, in terms of that ADP, the first three guys in front of him, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate, and a PPR. Are, are you okay, or would you take Juju in front of any of those three guys? Robinson, Cooks, Tate. All right, I'm definitely taking him in front of Cooks. All right, uh, it's nothing really against Cooks. Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind is, why is Cooks on his third team in three years? You know, that, that sort of bothers me a little bit. Couldn't, uh, couldn't do it with Breeze and Brady? Mmm, that sort of smells to me. Uh... Tate. Tate's a safer play. You know, he's gonna, Tate's going to get a very high volume. Mm-hmm. The problem with Tate is he generally doesn't get in the end zone. Mm. So you're sort of picking your poison there. I think Tate is the safer play. You know, that's what you're looking for? Sure. I think uh, Juju has more upside. But Tate is the number one there, but Marvin Jones catches the touchdowns. Yeah, but it's sort of similar with uh, Pittsburgh. So Antonio Brown's going to get the touchdowns there. Uh, I think I would still go uh, Juju here, but it's close. That's very close for me. Allen Robinson is really in- intriguing to me. I- I'm not as high on him as some people. Mm. You know, one, he's got to prove he's back from the ACL. And by prove, I know he can run, but does he have the explosiveness? Can he come out of his cuts hard? Does he have the chemistry with Mitch Trubisky? You know, uh, it's, a- it's a slow turf field there in Soldier Field, Chicago. He's going to play a lot of games in interesting weather situations. You know, could that be a problem if the season runs along here? And are they going to throw the ball over the field? Mm. You know, I-, I just don't know about any of this. So I would take Juju over A-Rob. I would. You know, but that's good. That's me. That's a personal thing. I know most people have A Rob higher than Juju. I don't. You know, I'd rather have Juju. Uh, I guess there's just different types of offenses. Pittsburgh's going to throw the ball, mm. so I like the opportunities there. I think A Rob, when healthy, is probably a better receiver. I do, but I think this may be more of a next year thing, more than uh, this season thing. Like I said, with the ACL, generally you can play within a year, but you don't come back to full strength for two years, which is another reason I, I'm just. A little cautious about A Rob. I don't know if I'll if I'll have any shares of him this season. Yeah, I I think that that's a totally fair point. I, I think that you can easily make the case for for Juju uh, in front of those, all those guys. Before we move to the Ravens, I just want to ask you: uh, Is there any reason to draft James Conner unless you own Le'Veon Bell? And even if so, do you feel it's necessary to draft him? You see, this is something else that's changed. And fantasy over the past 20, 25 years. It used to be, once, once again, back in the 80s, 90s, even part of the, uh, the aughts, uh, for lack of a better term, we call it the aughts? I don't know, the early 2000s, uh, that you would draft the pure handcuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would do that uh, because you wanted to make sure a case bell got hurt, suspended, whatever, you had to handcuff the next best guy. Nowadays, though, there are so many teams, this is how the game has changed, there are so many teams with viable second running backs that are going to get points every week regardless of whether or not their starter gets hurt, that it's hard to take these guys. You know what I'm saying? Because so many teams have, uh, I mean, some, guys have two and three, some teams have two and three running backs. There are very, te- very few teams, Dallas, the Giants. These, these are why these, those guys go so high. Johnson, Gurley, Elliott, the Barkley, that are his peers. 
So like the Eagles, they have three running backs you could take that could get you points each week. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago, Tariq Cohen, Washington, Chris Thompson. You got the, you know, Cleveland, we already said Chubb, Hyde, Duke Johnson. Those guys get you points every week, including the bye weeks when we need those guys. You may say, oh, some of those points are six, seven points. Well, it's better than a zero during the bye weeks, which we're going to have to face here, where Connor is pretty much useless unless there is an injury. Mm-hmm. So I think well, to answer that question comes two things. If you have eight bench spots, fine. Go grab Connor. You know, I don't have an issue with that. If you have five, I think it comes down to are you, if you're the type of person, you're the type of fantasy owner that's going to be banging your head against the wall if Bell gets hurt and you don't have Connor – then go grab Connor. If you, that'll make yeah. you sleep easier at night. You won't need to see a shrink like apparently all the Met fans do. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I think if you're uh, more, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say sophisticated. That, that sounds like I'm putting people down. But if you're more, uh, I guess, in tune with the game when you realize I'd rather have points on a week-by-week basis or at least be able to, be able to have points on a week-by-week basis, I'd rather go with the next best player. Next best running back, which might be, you know, it's probably a backup for some other team. Because when you're talking about Connie, you're talking about late rounds. So it could be a, some backup for some other team, but someone who's also going to play each and every week because that team believes in splitting it up. You think of Detroit with Riddick, uh, Riddick uh, Blunt, uh, you know, every, they have everybody in their mother, Kerry on Johnson and Amir Abdullah. They have everybody. So I'd rather have that kind of person. So I want to transition over to the Ravens. Uh, Mike and I actually didn't get to get to the Ravens really much. Uh, Last show, so there, there's a good bit there to talk about. But one of my favorite things right now when I look um, at, on some ADP sites is that Lamar Jackson is actually drafted ahead of Joe Flacco. I find that absolutely hysterical. Uh, it just shows how much the fantasy community would, at least it seems like, uh, is ready for Lamar to overtake Flacco. Uh, I'll ask this, not even in terms of the players specifically, if you were going to own shares in this Ravens offense, Alex Collins, Michael Crabtree, whatever it may be, who would you rather see be this team's quarterback, Flacco or Lamar Jackson? Well, first of all, let me say that I, I will not own any shares of the Ravens offense. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Uh, drafting Lamar Jackson over Flacco, I mean, it's silly. All right, we know Flacco's going to start the season. I'm, not, I'm no Flacco fan, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not wacko for Flacco. I think, uh, I think he needs to go. And I think sooner or later it will be Lamar Jackson's uh, game there. But I think that may not come until Baltimore's out of the playoff picture. Mm. You know, or at least it's hovering, you know, where, oh, they're just not exciting. And maybe they get in, maybe they don't. And that could be week 10 before, uh, for all we know. Uh, it is Lamar Jackson's uh, team in the future. It is. The Baltimore Ravens owe no future money, no more guaranteed money to Flacco. So they don't have they can cut him or bench him at any time. It's not going to cost them anything. You know, it, it will happen. Now, if if they're drafting Lamar Jackson because they expect him, they don't. Maybe their corporate doesn't have a bye week until week twelve, and they think by week twelve Lamar Jackson will start. Well, then I understand that. You know, maybe uh, it, if you're playing in a two quarterback league or a two flex league, I have no problem drafting Lamar Jackson. Mm. You know, once again, you're looking at somebody because in all those leagues, every quarterback is drafted in a two quarterback league, and Lamar Jackson during those bye weeks. Once, even in the early part of the season, he's going to have packages designed for him. He's going to play some, not a lot, but once again, he can get you some points. And if you're in a two-quarterback league, not a super flex where you have to start a quarterback, Lamar Jackson could have value that week. You know, he could. You know, once again, you're talking about a small smattering of points, but small is better than nothing. So that's the way that works there. But uh, if I'm drafting today, I mean, I'm in a super flex or, you know, I'm drafting Joe Flacco first. Uh, over Lamar Jackson because he's going to play now. That's not to say I, I don't mind drafting uh, Lamar Jackson later, but drafting Lamar Jackson over Flacco, unless it's an eight-team league where it doesn't really matter, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. He's not going to start from week one. He's not. I think he will start eventually, but I think out of all the rookies, he may be the one that starts the latest because of the quarterback in front of him. Hmm. I, I think that's interesting. I am personally of the belief that they should start Lamar um, Week one, barring they look at him and they're like, no, 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 no. Like if he st- if he steps on the field, like everything's gonna go wrong, uh, which I don't think that that would be what they would come away from. I'd like to see him run with the ones a little bit more. I just feel like we know what Flacco is, and it's not good. Uh, and I just think that Lamar is gonna be able to provide explosiveness to this offense that can help them win football games. Uh, you look at this team last year. Uh, they were right on the cusp of, of double-digit wins. They just missed out on the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. And this defense last year was top five. 
And as long as they're healthy, uh, again, they weren't even that healthy last year. It, just health maintaining, they could be angling for another at least top 10 uh, season on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think one thing we saw with Watson that Lamar Jackson, it even more so, comes into play is he helps the running game a lot because now you have to account for 11 opposed to counting for 10. With Flacco out there, you, had to, you don't have to worry about him in the run game at all. But with Lamar, you can do some of that read option stuff, and I think that that would be great maybe for more than anybody, Alex Collins. And Alex Collins right now uh, is an RB2 uh, through a lot of ADPs, late RB2, 21 right now, according to Fantasy Pros. Uh, He had a pretty good season last year. Uh, On 212 carries, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry, had six touchdowns. It was 973 total yards. The the receiving game was all mixed up. Uh, I mean, Danny Woodhead was still a part of this team last year. Uh, Javaris Allen did see more of the work in the passing game. Uh, But I think that numbers could go up a bit. For Alex Collins. So how do you feel uh, about Alex Collins, regardless of even who the running back might be? Or quarterback, rather, excuse me. Well, to, to, to hop on the quarterback some more, I think what you said should happen. I just don't think it will. I agree. You know, I, I don't think, like I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big Flacco guy at all. I just think they're going to pay some deference to the veteran, the guy who won a Super Bowl for them, and they'll give him a shot mm-hmm. to see if he has one season more, one more season left in him. Uh, but... I'm of the belief, and this is almost with any rookie quarterback that's on, on a team like this, the Ravens aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year, right? I think we're all, everybody's in agreement of that outside of Baltimore fans. Okay. All right, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. So if you're going to give up a year, I'd rather give it up this year. Let Jackson get in tune. Man, they have a whole new wide receiver core. Yeah. You know, Creed, uh, Crabtree. Creed, I actually combined Crabtree and Sneed there. <laughs> How do you like that? Uh, Crabtree, Sneed, uh, Brown. Yeah, Creed, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I could name a team, Creed. Um, you know, they have, so they have a whole new receiver core. I'd rather them spend this year getting the kinks out of Jackson, the, all the rookie mistakes, and getting him in tune with the receiver core this year. And then, you know, you go back to it next year where everything uh, is worked out. I, I, I truly believe that with all rookie quarterbacks. This is why I almost would never. Not that saying every rookie quarterback should start from week one, but they should start at least half the season. That's uh, something I truly believe in in the NFL. I want to get rid of the rookie mistakes in the first season. This way I don't get, end up giving up two seasons where my team's not going to be uh, all that competitive. But that's just me. As for uh, Collins, uh, once again, probably not going to have that many shares uh, of him I, I, or anybody on this Baltimore. I just don't like this offense, all that much, although it is better than what, it ha- what we've seen in the past. You know, but I don't trust Flacco. When Mayfield's in there, uh, Mayfield, when uh, Lamar Jackson's in there, he's another running threat that could take away some touches from uh, Collins. You know, he's got competition for the job. You know, Kenneth Dixon's back off suspension. Not that I expect much from him, but he's back. You know, and what if Collins gets off to a slow start? What if it's a, uh, a game-by-game situation or even a, a series-by-series where we're going with the hot guy? And if Collins can't get it done for a series or two, all of a sudden he's not in there. We saw last year, the reason why he wasn't as valuable in the first, I'd say the first half of the season, was because he put the ball on the ground a couple of times, especially in the red zone. And Harbaugh no, Harbaugh no like that. You know, so he uh, it took him a while to work on his way back in there. And then when he did, he ended up being very good. You know, but what if he does that again? Starts putting the ball on the ground. You know, so I, I have a lot of issues here with Collins. Uh, and I, I think I, I guys have a personal thing. It's the ball tour offense. It's just, it's just never spectacular. So unless I see something different here, you know, unless the value's there for me, Collins is falling and I need a running back. And in most of the drafts, I know how I'm drafting. I'm, I'm getting running backs early where I don't need to take a shot on someone like Collins. Obviously, a situation could play out that we discussed earlier. We have Brown fell to nine, and then I got a, whatever, uh, uh, A.J. Green at 14. You know, if that happens, okay, then I may have to look at someone like Collins, who I, I admit does have some upside there. You know, but other than that, in a regular draft, I don't think I'm going to have any, uh, all that many shares of any Baltimore running back. Uh, the one thing I think that... People in Baltimore are optimistic about, but it, it probably is cautious optimism. Is Marshall Yanda returning, who, when healthy, is the best offensive guard uh, in football? At least that's that's what he has been when he's been on that field. And if he does come back and he is himself, then that really should help this run game quite a bit. And I do think for Alex Collins to average four point six yards per carry last year uh, is a pretty good sign. And he did, I think, at least in terms of the running game separate himself for, I mean, a backfield. You want to talk about the backfields that we're confused by this year. Last year, nobody knew what was going on. 
had Danny Wood, had Terrence West, Buck Allen, Alex Collins. Nobody knew what to do with that Ravens running game last season. I at least feel uh, confident that Alex Collins has created that type of separation from the rest of those guys. Javar Allen will still be involved in the passing game. Uh, but I still think that that's one of the big things for Alex Collins. We'll come back here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll talk about the Ravens wide receivers, Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, maybe even Millie Creed. Uh, we'll see where all these guys are going next year on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. We are back here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and we are giving away World Series tickets here. And this time it is to the winner of a free DFS baseball contest. To some baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS. We're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%. Nearly 14,000 each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. You can find Sean Angle. You can find out how you can help the cause and win 2018 World Series tickets playing free daily fantasy baseball by going to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That is dailyroto.com slash DKMS and your tickets to the World Series and a blood cancer patient's ticket to life. George, I got, I got Sean Angle playing playing tricks on me downstairs. He, he he's messing with me, but uh, we're we're pushing through. Um, so the wide receivers here are interesting now. They're all new. The top three are Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, and John Brown. We don't have to worry about Rashad Perriman anymore, which is a blessing. Uh, I will say, when I was getting ready for this, it reminded me that Jeremy Macklin's just not on a team, which is. I guess justifiable. Uh, I'm not sure if you maybe have the the Ravens how their targets broke out last year, but it is one of the most head scratching things you will see. Mike Wallace had 92, uh, and then you saw Watson and Macklin. Uh, Watson was 79, Macklin was 72, and Javaris Allen had 60. And then you had Chris Moore, Nick Boyle, Danny Woodhead, Alex Collins, and Brashad Perryman all within the 30s in terms of targets. So there was really no. I shouldn't say there was no main guy. I mean, Mike Wallace ha- had a gap, but the, these targets were spread all over the place. Uh, and there was 567 of them to go around. Flacco uh, with 549 last year in terms of attempts. I, I do think um, if he stays in at quarterback, they are going to still throw the ball at least 500 times. So th- there's going to be work to go around. Uh, and I guess the question becomes, you know, is it worth being invested um, you know, we both agree that it's better for this team, fantasy wise, if Alex for Alex Collins, right? If Lamar is the quarterback, does the same hold true for the wide receivers, or do you would you find yourself? I mean, I know you're already out on these guys, but would you say lower them in your rankings if you found out Lamar Jackson was the Week One wide receiver, or would you move them up or leave them the same? Oh, I'd lower them. Okay. I think you'd have to. Uh, and that's with almost every rookie quarterback, by the way. I mean, not everyone. I mean, the starter could be terrible, too. And uh, although I don't think Flacco is a very good quarterback, he's uh, certainly a veteran knows how to get the ball down the field. Uh, one thing Flacco does, though, do is throw a very nice deep ball. So, uh, yeah, I would lower him. I think, uh, I, I think it'd be silly not to. I'd love to hear anybody's justification. I mean, everybody remembers when a rookie quarterback comes in and pitches well, uh, pitch in and plays well. Everybody always remembers that. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, he was great. But you remember the ten who failed. You know, who it took some time. It does take a while to learn the game as a rookie quarterback. I understand in today's football, yes, a lot of rookies are thrown in there much earlier than in, in the past. In the past you used to learn maybe for a couple of seasons before you got in there. Think Steve McNair. 
You know, he sat behind the starter for seasons before they put him in there. Nowadays, we don't. They pretty much get this trial by fire, get in there. I think uh, Lamar Jackson, his value when he first comes in will be with his legs, not with his arm. His arm will need to catch up to what his athleticism can do. So with with these wide receivers, right now Michael Crabtree is the 27th wide receiver off the board, uh, and anybody that's tuned into the program knows that you will not be touching that value. Uh, the other two guys, though, Willie Sneed and John Brown, are going incredibly late. Incredibly late right now. Their ADP on Fantasy Pros in terms of PPR scoring. John Brown goes 90th. Willie Sneed goes 93rd overall. So these guys aren't even necessarily being drafted. And that... That feels like value. Willie Sneed as the 93rd wide receiver overall. I feel like I could make an argument for that to be moved up a little bit higher. I think that he has a fine chance to be second on this team in targets. He was borderline terrible last year. This is not wrong. That's with Drew Brees. All right. uh, And by the way, when I say borderline terrible, he was terrible. It was. It really wasn't borderline. He was terrible. Uh, now, for whatever reason, he had. I think he had a suspension last year. Uh, had some other yeah, issues as well. Yeah, he, he, right. He was a mess. So maybe this is a. Uh, maybe this will be a better year for him as far as that's concerned. But still, he's on a team now. Wait, you don't have Drew Brees throwing you the ball. Not that they thought the Saints threw the ball a whole lot last year. They changed their offensive dynamic. They became a run team and played good defense. Sort of similar to what Baltimore wants to do, right? So that's not going to help. There's a chance he's not going to get a thousand targets. You know, mm. that's just not going to happen here. Once again, has to learn a new system. Has to learn a new quarterback. Get chemistry. All the routes that Flacco likes. You know, what if Flacco's not throwing to him? Snead really, even with New Orleans, was a wide receiver three. That's what New Orleans. I mean, it's hard to say that you know, Baltimore's going to be much better than that. That being said, you have a brand new receiver core. No one knows who Flacco's going to like. You know, I, I, Flacco tends to make best friends with his, with his tight ends, so I expect Hayden Hurst to do some damage there. But outside of that, I don't think you can accurately say. Uh, John Bradley is nothing but a deep threat, best ball guy. You know, Sneed and a PPR, I, I could see why someone, you know, 14th round pick, fine. And I, I'll say this over and over again. I don't think there's anything, anybody you can possibly pick with the 14th round pick that's bad. It's a dartboard throw, hey. It pays off, great. If not, mm-hmm. you're going to grab the hot wave of wire guy. So I don't think I don't think there's any bad 14th round picks. I never do. You know, you're supposed to take chances, and Snead would be that chance. I just don't want to see somebody taking an eighth round pick on Snead. Yeah, thinking it's a wide receiver four or a flex play because you're expecting big things. Because even if Snead is everything's back, he's healthy, everything, all the personal issues are behind him. This is still not a throwing team. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the ball, play defense, win that way. They're not going to win too many 38, 31 games. I think that that is a good point, right? Like, even if everything breaks right, he's still going to be a part of a bad offense. But I will say, you know, you're not paying at all. You're not paying even close to a premium. Uh, you're, you're getting nothing but value if you add a Willie Sneed. Where if you cut him, that's fine. That's what's expected uh, pretty much for where you would need to draft a guy like that. And look, if he end up emerges with the way the targets were laid, I mean, again, the targets were all over the place last season. If he sees 80 targets... No, that then ends up being some nice value for you. Uh, and maybe he can pop. Now, you did mention a guy that I think is very, very important to mention with this football team because I'm starting to get interested in him. Currently the 21st tight end off the board. That's Hayden Hurst. Rookie tight ends can be dangerous. Hall of Fame game caught a touchdown from Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco loves his tight ends. They drafted this guy in the first round. I'm starting to think regardless of who quarterback is, Hayden Hurst is going to be a favorite of either one of these guys the question I guess becomes what position do I need to be in to have him be you know what he have to be your second tight end how are you feeling about Hayden Hurst did we lose George is George thinking I'm thinking. I always think. I think long and hard. Uh, the worst thing to happen to fantasy owners who believe in Hayden Hurst, who had planned on picking him at mm. some point this month or early next month in their drafts, was that touchdown reception. Because now people are like, oh, wow, caught a touchdown there. That's interesting. Mm. Maybe I should move him up my board here. Because 
Now, while he's not a tight end one, and I don't, th- I don't care if he catches nine touchdowns this month, he's not going to be a tight end <laughs> one. But, well, he's not. I mean, who? Well, I, I mean, we all know who the top eight guys are, right? Yeah. I'm not going to go through the list here. It's, it's really over the bottom four or five guys: Reed, Burton, Doyle, whoever you have at twelve, Njoku, Kittle, Eifert. But he's a nice little pairing if you're taking Jordan Reed or Tyler Eifert. I agree. Because then at least you have a secondary guy for those weeks where they may, they may not play. You know, Jordan Reed, we always know, is uh, perennially, uh, perpetually questionable, always has an injury. So if you're draft, drafting Jordan Reed, or Eifert for that matter, you have no choice but probably to draft that's a, a second tight end because you're, you're going to want to have that guy on your roster. Now, depending on how your league works, maybe you don't need a draft, or maybe there'll be plenty of tight ends out there week in and week out, and you don't need to waste that roster spot. But if you do... Hurst is, is a good uh, candidate for that because he's not a guy that you're going to want to start week in and week out. You'd rather have Reed. You'd rather have Eifert. But, I mean, really, what's the over-under on how many games Reed plays? Mm-hmm. You know, 11, 12? And how many of those games will it be kept questionable? Well, you won't know. Yes, he's active. At 11.30 a.m., he's still active. You know, he's, uh, you might play, but you, you get, you're starting to feel uneasy. All the reports you're hearing, oh, he's, he's running gingerly on the sidelines in pregame. You know, and you're thinking, oh, I, I don't want to deal with this. And you, you want to put Hurst in there. That's what Hurst is perfect for. You know, for that, I think that kind of uh, of option. Mm. You know, Eifert, when he gets hurt, because there's no way he's playing 16 games either. You know, you can play the over on the game and how many games either one plays. Uh, so uh, that's why I think Hurst, uh, where he comes in uh, here, Kev, I think uh, mm. a nice tight end, too, that can go on your roster to cover for the Reeds and the Eiferts of the world. I don't know if I would take him if I have almost any of a tight end. Maybe if you take take a shot on the Joku, mm-hmm. you know, Cleveland offense. Maybe Hurst is a backup just in case. And you know, but Jack Doyle, and he's a fine uh, tight end now that Luck's back. Trey Burton, all right. Maybe you're thinking, oh, well, you know, a lot of hype on him just in case it doesn't pan out there. They don't throw the ball to him. I better have a second tight end. That's fine. But overall, my philosophy on tight ends is uh, pretty much the same as quarterbacks. I like the weight, you know. Uh, I, and probably not as long as quarterback because I would I would like to get one of the top eight guys and not have to play the guessing game later on, but I'd rather not take a second tight end, you know, in five in leagues with five bench spots or fewer. Once again, if you have eight, I don't care, mm. you know, do what you want to do. There's plenty of bench spots, but in leagues with five or fewer, which the majority have, I would rather not draft a second tight end and have that guy on my roster. I just want to load those spots up at running backs and wide receivers. Tight end, as far as tight end twos go, is very deep. Mm-hmm. Tight end one, not so much. Only about like I said, eight or nine guys. Tight end two, though. I mean, literally, you should be able to stream guys when you need to. Uh, l- let me hang. Let me, let me let me hang up on that point then, and I'm going to see if I can put you in a conundrum here, uh, because I know you do like to wait on tight end. So if you had to Gee, choose thanks. between taking, let's say, Kelsey with where he's going, or have a pairing of say, we'll go with the pair of NA- AFC North guys, Eifert. And Hayden Hurst, would you rather wait, risk the pair, or pay the high value but know you're getting an elite guy? Unless Kelsey fell, I mean, uh, and by fall, I don't mean he fell to the eighth round, but unless he fell to a, a round, round and a half mm-hmm. later than where I think he should go, I'm, I'm almost definitely not gonna. I'm not gonna have Gronk. I'm not gonna have Kelsey. I'm not gonna have Ertz. I seem to end up with Engram. I actually, Ingram's the guy I seem to end up with a lot of my teams. I think the last thing I, well, I drafted in, I purposely didn't draft Ingram because I had him in too many teams. And uh, it just got to be a little ridiculous. And I went to Olsen instead. Uh, so I don't see Kelsey being on any of my teams. Although, if I end up with Eifert Hurst, it probably means something went wrong for me. And by wrong, I mean, it's, it happened. I could be at the wrong end of a run. You know, okay, I, I'm not going to take Kelsey in round four. I'm looking for a tight end in round seven, maybe the bottom of round seven, and then all of a sudden, oh, you know, there's a running back that slipped or a wide receiver that slipped. I'll wait another round on tight end. I do that, and then six tight ends go before I go again. <laughs> all right, you know, I was on the wrong end. Things didn't go my way, and now I end up with Eifert Hurst. That's really how that has to work out for me. So I actually uh, did a couple best balls uh, this past week. In one 12-team league, I got Kelsey at 3-8. Uh, and then in another 10-team league, I ended up getting Gronk at 3-3. Three, three. Uh, and I think that's the kind of value um, that you're talking about there, where everybody in the league is totally in lockstep. Yep, yep, I'm waiting on tight end. I'm waiting on tight end. And then you just happen to be on the board there, and you're like, you know what? This this is probably worth it, because he's clearly the best guy on the board. 
Uh, and I, I've already made my first two picks. Uh, I've either, you know, I've either got my running back pair or running back wide receiver combination to where this doesn't hamstring how I'm building out the rest of my roster. And I've got great value and I'm secure now at the tight end spot as well. You know, I think people misconstrue sometimes. Uh, I said, everything I write, I always say, I, I want to wait on a quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. and at tight end, I, I pretty much treat the same way. That doesn't mean in every league like, that I'll never have an Aaron Rodgers or I'll never have a uh, Travis Kelsey. You look in the flex draft yesterday. Corey Parson, I, if my memory serves me, got Aaron Rodgers in the sixth round. Jeez. You know, and I, I'm talking with uh, Joe Galena. You know, we're doing the show, and he's telling me this. And he hears me go, ooh. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know you wouldn't take him. No, Joe. Sixth round is fantastic value for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I would have definitely taken him. I would have taken him in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. That's about where I'll take Aaron. I mean, I don't expect to have him in any, in any one quarterback leagues because I think he's going, uh, his ADP is uh, sometimes the third round, fourth round. And I won't even think about it until round five because I want to wait on quarterback. But like I said, if he's there in round five, round six, I'm grabbing him. The value becomes too good. Yeah. And that's the same way with tight end. I don't want to draft Gronkowski in round two. But if he happens to slip the end of round three, four, then I don't have a choice. The value is there. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what everybody should be looking for. When um, any player slips and the value is there, even if a player, you are, oh, I'll never take this guy. But you have to realize the value might be there. And Aaron Rodgers in round six, I would take. If Kelsey slipped around four, I'm taking him. Ertz mm-hmm. would be in that uh, same category as well. Gronk could be round three. You know, there are guys who uh, I don't want to take at certain positions because I believe they're deep and I, I'd rather to ro- uh, load up on running backs and wide receivers, which I almost always want to do. But... If a tight end or quarterback starts to slip, the value is too good. Then I have to take the guys. Just because I write that I would you know, never take them, the value always plays a part. For the most part, in an overwhelming amount of drafts, that's why we have ADPs, we know where these guys are going to go. But, you know, hey, strange thing. This is why every draft is different. This is why I'll say it again. I, I don't really have a plan for most drafts. I have a basic idea of what I want to do. But outside of that first-round pick, because I know I'm picking eighth, ninth, first, whatever it is, I, you don't know how it's just going to play out. I've seen weird things happen in drafts, man. Quarterbacks go earlier than they should. No one's taking a quarterback. Everyone's following the same philosophy, and Aaron Rodgers is there in round seven. Yeah, everyone's waiting on tight end. No one believes Gronk's going to stay healthy, so they're waiting on him. You never know how a draft's going to play out. I've seen drafts with the first seven picks of running backs. I've seen Antonio Brown go number one. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. It's what makes everything so much fun because you don't know. You know I, I always go in with a, a basic idea of what my team, what I want to do, but I'm fully aware that, hey, this could all be blown up by round two. And I think what is so important of all of all of that is your point of don't have this big elaborate blueprint, this big perfect plan, because things are going to change. You know, you come in there, you go, I got to get running back, got to get running back, got to get running back. Tenth pick, all of a sudden Antonio Brown is there. You're just going to turn that away. Can't touch tight end, can't touch tight end, can't touch tight end. It's the beginning of the fourth round, and Gronk's there. You're going to turn down that value. The rest of your league was foolish enough to let that type of situation happen for you. And I think that's one of the things, too. You know, I know sometimes people kind of call in because they have the opportunity in their leagues to make this pick. You know, sometimes it, you know, it's a reward uh, for winning the league. You can pick what spot you draft in. I tell you, I always find it difficult to answer such a question because you can kind of do damage from every spot. It's all a matter of how the rest of your league is going to be drafted around you. We're going to come back here on the Fantasy Football Friends. We're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, what that offense is going to look like for the upcoming season. That's next. Keep it here.